Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. And we're looking good, you'll be in for a fight And we fight pretty good, getting goals is our job And we get goals good, looking good, we are Carlisle United Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle The number one place to get your Carlisle fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Mike Boo Christmas comes early for United fans as the Piatics deliver a present for Simo A club record signing We discuss the arrival of Luke Armstrong, review the draw with Northampton and look ahead to the first two festive pictures against Cheltenham Town and Fleetwood Town. It's a weird one, isn't it, Mike? Because it was a much improved performance of the weekend, and you'd think that's what we're going to be talking about mostly. But actually, there's a hell of a lot to cram in the news section, isn't there? I think that's probably going to take up a decent chunk of today's show, isn't it? Because there's been yeah, quite a lot yeah. of exciting things happening in the last few days, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. It's a... Uh, it's been a very good It's been a, a much more positive week, shall we say, after what happened at Blackpool the previous weekend. And there was a much more positive feeling leaving the ground of the weekend, wasn't it? Even with that late, late equaliser for Northampton. Yeah, it's weird. I didn't feel overly robbed by them getting the equaliser because it wasn't a game that I, I can stand up and say, look, we deserve to win that. It was... We didn't deserve to lose either, so I think a draw was probably the fair result and it wasn't overly cheesed off, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so to fit in as usual, obviously we will be doing the news where we'll be covering the uh, Armstrong signing and um, the fans forum that recently happened, took place uh, earlier this week. Uh, we'll then be looking back at the Northampton game for a little review of that and then we're going to be previewing the two festive, first festive fixtures against Cheltenham Town at home and Fleetwood Town away on Boxing Day. We haven't got any um, behind enemy lines lined up at the moment as we record this a bit early in the week, so I'm hoping to get a couple sorted. If I can, I'll get them sorted and we'll put them out as a separate episode, but we'll have to wait and see with that one. Um, yeah, so before we get started, I've got to just remind everyone, our sponsor this season, once again, for the third season in a row, is the Carly Knight Sports Club London Bunch. Uh, they do some fantastic stuff for the club in terms of fundraising, and they also do great stuff for sorting out tickets for away games for Exiles and away travel as well and things like that, and recommended pubs. Um, yes, they've... Uh, they basically um, you can join them wherever you live in the UK. You don't have to, or even the world. You don't have to live in London, the southeast, Jacksonville, uh, Florida. We keep saying it. If there's any Jags fans listening in, get yourself signed up to the London branch. You can find out more about the London branch at the website carlislelondonbranch dot org. Um, right then, Mike. Uh, no question for this week, have we? So let's get straight. Uh, in. I've, got, I've got oh, a question. For oh, you. go on. Do you want to do a question now? Then yeah, yeah, go on. So the last time that we played Cheltenham at home under. Paul Simpson was January 2006. We had two Carlisle players scored that game in a 1-1 draw. One scored in the right end, one scored in the wrong end. Who were they? I think I know the answer to this. Should I do it now or do you want to wait? Oh, go on, we'll do it now. I, I feel like I know the player scored the own goal, I'm pretty sure it was Kevin Gray. Yeah. And was it Danny Livesey that scored the goal in the other end? Michael Bridges. Is it Michael Bridges? Oh, okay, mm. well, there you go. And for some reason, I was convinced it was Danny Livesey. I thought it was the two centre-backs scoring either end, but there you go. Nice little question there for us, Mike. Um, I'll maybe think of a Fleetwood one we can do before the uh, the start of the uh, the second half of the show anyway. Um, well, let's get into it. News. Uh, there's only one way place to start, isn't there? Club record yep. smashed by all accounts. Um, yeah, the ribbon wheel started spinning 
probably round about about the potential signing round about the time we were recording last week, and we didn't really cover it much in the episode. Um, come Friday, there was talk of a player being in and having a medical. Uh, there was a lot of people at the match looking behind them in the director's box to see if this player was there. He wasn't, unfortunately. But come Monday, it was all confirmed. First thing, wasn't it? Luke Armstrong yep. has arrived from Harrogate Town. What, what are your initial thoughts on this one, Mike? Go. Yeah, it's obviously uh, a player who we've known about for a while. And I actually believe Simo when he says that we've known about him for a while. And I think when we signed players like Din Zay, we had the manager saying, oh, yeah, he's a player that we've it's been on our radar for some time. And you don't really believe him. But, um, yeah, no, I think it's very much what we need. It'll hopefully help the ball stick up that end a little bit more. Um, and it's a real sort of um, statement of intent, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Statement of intent definitely is, is the feeling on this one, isn't it? So, see, bit of the detail here. Luke Armstrong, uh, 27-year-old Durham-born attacker. He's um, he's joined. We don't know how long the contract is yet. I'm going to guess it's going to be three years at least, you'd think. If we're paying good money for him, it's going to be a long, yeah. longer contract. But um, he's, he's going to join on the 1st of January. He can't play on the 1st of January against Port Vale, but he can play against Exeter City on the 6th of January. Um He's going to train with us, though, prior to then, isn't he? Basically, Simo said at the fans forum that what they've done is they've sorted out the insurance so he can train with us, and even though yeah. the deal won't officially be signed until the 1st of January. So we're covered there, basically. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's very exciting times. You know, started out at Middlesbrough, which is obviously a club that his dad quite famously played for, Alan Armstrong, for the... That's one of the, some of the uh, middle-aged fans will be hearing that thinking, oh, God, Alan Armstrong's son's playing for us. That tells me how old I am. Because I feel that old, because I remember his dad playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, he started at Middlesbrough. Um, having had a little spell at uh, Cowden Beef and Blythe Spartans, he came back to Middlesbrough. Um, then he had loan spells at Gated and Accrington. Went to Salford. Didn't really work out of Salford for him. Uh, had a loan spell at Hartlepool that it was really successful. Had average one and two for them in the National League. And then moved to Harrogate. And uh, Harrogate, he scored um, 29 goals in 103 league games. Should be said... Only one in 12 this season, but obviously his season's been quite disrupted, hasn't it, Mike? Because he was set for a big money move on deadline day, wasn't he, to um, to Wrexham. And yeah. Wrexham seemingly are the ones who cocked it up, aren't they? Uh, well, I think the issue was that it is technically an overseas transfer, so it needed more mm. like time for the paperwork. And um, yeah, but I mean, that their loss is our game. I, I, Got gain. I've enjoyed some Wrexham fans on Twitter doing the whole. Oh well, we didn't even want him anyway. It's uh, routine. It? It's been yeah. brilliant. They're like, oh well, he's clearly a bad egg. Look, you know, he's down tilts in his back. I don't think he. I don't think he has down tilts. I get the impression it's, it's that the manager's choice to not play him. I think the manager took one look and gone, look, the lads just missed out on a move where he probably was going to potentially quadruple his wages. You know, he's you know big money move to a club that's really on the up. That that's fallen through. Of course, the lad's head's not going to be quite there. That's just the reality of it. If it, if it especially when it happens that late as well, when you, you think mm-hmm. it's done. So, yeah, I just, I kind of feel like, yeah, I I understand why. And I think from what Simon Weaver said, he said, look, I just took him out the fire line. I said, look, you're going to move in January anyway. So let's just take a step back from this and keep you fit at the very least. Um, mm. And interestingly, I don't know if you've seen the comments today um, from Simon Weaver uh, on that one, Mike, but he's, been saying how impressed he was with United and how they dealt with it, particularly Greg Abbott, and said how professional the uh, the whole dealing with the Blues was for the move. So it's good. 
That's good to hear, isn't it? And I mean, it does sound like Greg's contacts have helped a little bit. They obviously spoke to uh, Paul Furwell from what Simo was saying. What happened with the transfer was that we did try on deadline day, but he was way out of our price range. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we've now got a bit of money to spend. And he spoke to Paul Furwell and said, look, you know, I think he's out of our price range. the price you want. And Paul Furwell, by the can said, well... Maybe not. Come and ask us and, and let's let's talk about it. And it seems mm-hmm. like they've basically dropped the price or the, what they wanted, understandably. Um, the suggestion is, there's no there's no details out there, but the suggestion is quarter million pounds plus add-ons, which would be, you know, near enough double our pre- mm-hmm. previous transfer record. Yeah, yeah. As you say, a real statement of, yeah, we are going to keep this club in League One this season, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And... You know, to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if that transfer record uh, wasn't there for very long. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, yeah, like you say, re- real statement of intent, and he's what we need, isn't he? You know, yeah. th- that it's that end of the pitch that I I think you know, all right, yeah, we've been conceding goals, but we need someone to keep the ball at that end a little bit to ease the pressure on the defense, and I, I think he'll he'll do both of those things. He's very good at that, isn't he? That's the thing. Well, he scored that goal against us, didn't he, in the uh, the free free game that me and you went yeah. to, and he was he was a nuisance all it, all evening that day. And yeah, he he's just a, he's a big lad. He puts himself about. He wins a lot in the air. If you've, all the stats show that clearly, mm. he was what fourth top scorer in the league last season behind Dennis, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think he was the third top player on like who scored dot com in terms of yeah, like, all was- the stats and that sort of stuff. Obviously, you know, in Moxham top, that's so, a, you know, yeah. he's a quality player. Like, and uh, the, the, the Wrexham fans making out like, oh, they're not asked. I mean, just it's just nonsense, that, isn't it, basically? Mm. They, they they missed out because their club cocked up and we benefited from the cock up because Harriet clearly weren't very happy about that. And they were like, oh, well, they're, they're, I think it's very pointed, the comments that Weave has made about how we've dealt with it. That gives you a hint at yeah. how the deal's been done, doesn't it? So I think so, fa- yeah. Fantastic stuff. The first of uh, many, by the sounds of things. So um, look forward to seeing him in action in January. And he's off to be in training. I'm guessing he'll probably be introduced to the crowd at the weekend, maybe uh, before the game, I'd hope. Yeah, yeah possibly. So be nice to see. Be nice to see. Um, let's round up the fans forum then now, Mike. Um, the first one of the Castle Sports Group ownership took place on Monday. And quite a few interesting bits come out of this event, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, the people there... Could have a good look at the plans uh, for the east stand and the uh, well Warwick and the west stand, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and the Warwick, uh, yeah, um, yeah. It sounds really positive. Um, there's just so many things going on at once, really. Um, but yeah, it's it's good to have this kind of constant communication rather than you know trying to trying to guess what's going on and rumours filling that void. Yeah, and and, and the, th- the thing is, like, I've heard a few people complain now. Oh, there was only a hundred people there, and that oh, those who were there didn't even ask any questions. I mean, that's not much different to all the other f- forums. You'll find that yeah. with these fans forums, people just go because they want to hear stuff, but they, they don't really have anything they want to ask themselves. Quite yeah. often, it, it can be pulling teeth sometimes doing these things, and I don't think holding it in a bigger place wouldn't make that much of a difference. I don't think so. Um, yeah, so uh, the panel at Glass Bar in Brunton Park included Tom and Patty Piatic, uh, Chief Executive Nigel Clibbins, Finance Director Suzanne Kidd, Fan Director Dave Noble, and of course, Blues Manager Paul Simpson. Um, let's go through a few of the topics covered there, Mike. First up, the takeover. That was something that was asked about. Um, firstly, uh, the question was asked, obviously, about um, did the previous owners... Um, 
benefit from the uh, the deal? And the answer is no. Basically, they made no profit on the the thing. And Tom was at pains to make out that he was really impressed at how good a job they'd done in terms of vetting them, wasn't he? Really, I think he wanted mm-hmm. to make that point. You know, they they clearly had the club's best interests at heart. They wanted to make sure the right people took over, not you know any old cowboy. So. You know, he, he clearly appreciated the, the, the effort that they took. Um, the pure pay debt was an interesting one, though, wasn't it? Yeah. comments on this. So clearly you can still sense that Tom was still quite frustrated about what happened with that, you know, in terms of not being able to get a good deal on repaying it. And Clibbins made a very interesting point, didn't he? Yeah, that we were very much in danger, like under that debt, basically, and... I mean, it looked, you know, reading between the lines while he was speaking, I think he probably had a few sleepless nights over it while uh, while it was yeah. hanging over us. Yeah. I mean, he, he looks so happy sat on these panels now, doesn't he? He looks oh, like, like he finally I'm able to actually do something at this club and I can actually move things forward. And, you know, there's so many exciting plans coming in. It's really good to see. But the interesting yeah. thing I thought he said in the pure pay debt was he, he basically said that one of the problems when they were negotiating was that there was rumours of other bidders, and we've mm. all heard about these, and that allegedly those rumours and those other bidders were used as collateral by PurePay to say, well, leverage. no. Yeah. Leverage, sorry, that's the word. Yeah, leverage. Mm. To basically say, well, you know, we we want the full amount. They're going to pay the full amount. So mm. potentially, in the nicest way possible, those other take bidders have potentially <laughs> cocked up as saving a bit of money there, possibly. But yeah, it, it's done now, so it's out of the way. We don't have to worry about it, thankfully. That's the most important thing. Um, transfers so obviously confirmed that Armstrong is the first of likely several players coming in in the January window um, not looking to force anyone else to know said didn't he which is an interesting one he wants to have a bigger squad size doesn't he which I mean fairly big squad already but he clearly wants to have a bit of a, a decent number of players in the club yeah um, I, I mean I think that there's that there will be players who are certainly made available Um Obviously, Corey Whelan has had... Well, there were bids for him in January and yeah. in the summer, but location-wise, yeah. there weren't decent clubs for him. But I think if a Tranmere or a crew or someone came in for him, I think he needs to be playing football, to be honest. So yeah. I'm a fan of his, but he needs to be playing football. Yeah. Um, He's been a really good servant, hasn't he? And I think it's one of those ones where I kind of feel like if Simo, Simo did say that one of the players he'd like to bring would be a centre-back, I think at that point, that's when sort of I think uh, Corey has to take a step back and then go, okay, if I want to play football, I want to get, I've got a chance in January to get myself a club signed up for next season and not have to wait till the end of the summer. Yeah. I, I can imagine that'll happen. And it'll go about best wishes. And look, you know, he's great in that Charlton game when he came in for that one game, you know, just to, mm. to do a job and probably a bit unlucky not to feature in the, the games after that. But yeah, I think I think he's one likely to go. I'd, I do wonder if Daniel Putterworth might be one of them, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Really uh, well, and I mean, maybe. St- st- well, I was just going to say strikers is a position that we're top heavy for. I know Butterworth isn't really a striker, but yeah. you'd maybe listen Tucker. in that. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they said it. Well, should Ablade still be here when he's back from injury? I think we'll have seven forwards on the books. Yeah, yeah, and obviously Plange, his loan is up in January. Potentially, he might end up going back to Palace. We think there's probably a half decent chance of that. I you know he's got mm. better in the last game but I'm still not convinced we'll keep him on. Ablade's tied down to the season and Simo reportedly really likes him um, and yeah I mean on top of that you've got like I said I, I think he's spying but there's going to be a spine of free players that will go which will be Whelan 
Butterworth and Harris, possibly. Not necessarily saying they'll go permanently. Maybe Butterworth will go out on loan, possibly. But I just have, just have a feeling he'll want to get a few of them up, but then the rest I think yeah. he's keen to keep. But, um, but yeah, yeah, Butterworth's on a two-year deal as well, isn't he? Yeah, that, that tends why I think that might be more likely to be a loan unless he really wants to go permanently. Yeah. Um, which could work in our favour because you know yeah. we've always said there's a player in there with him, yeah. you know, and if he can go to League Two and unlock that, yeah. then Definitely. we all benefit. Definitely. And Tom made a really interesting point, didn't he, about um, about Simo's sense of value, didn't he? I think he was really impressed yeah. with that. The fact that Simo's not the money like it's his own, yeah, exactly. He's, he's very frugal. He's not a case of like I'm just going to throw the money out there. He's pleased he's got a bit more money to spend now, but he's not just going to go and spend it willy nilly for the sake of it. So that that's a a really good thing to see as well. Um, right, uh, facilities. So this obviously was an interesting one. Uh, the search for land for a new training ground continues. They've visited about two or three sites, I think, now, possibly. But obviously, in terms of round Carlisle, there's not many places that don't flood in a flat. So it's limited options, but it sounds like people are really helping them in the community as well, which is a really good thing to hear, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And w- one thing that impressed me really is that these questions about facilities, Simo was answering a lot of them in the... Yeah. Which leads me to think that any kind of training ground that we build or whatever, he's going to have a big part in this. You know, he's worked at um, St George's Park. You know, yeah, and, and a, a he, big clubs as well. Yeah, he's worked at big clubs, Premier League training facilities. So, I think he's going to have a big say in in how it looks. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what you want to see. And Simo did give a bit more detail there, actually, didn't he? He, he talked about the fact that you know. People are wondering, why do we want a 2025 acre site? Well, not a lot of that can be buildings. It's mostly pitches. Because the thing is, at the moment, we use what, Colgy School and French Fields mm. at Penrith to, to, for the youth academy set And we have to pay for them as well quite a yeah, bit. And it, and it costs money. So, you know, it, we want a place of our own. We want to have all the teams in one place. At the moment, initially, it would be the first team and the under-18s. But the idea is to get the academy up there eventually. And the women's team as well. And get the women's mm. team and the women's academy team because it sounds like the women, women are set up a development team aren't they mm. which is really good to see so that, that really really encouraging that he talks about it as one club and you you know we're, we're very lucky to have someone like Simo who sees that bigger picture isn't it and he sees the long term of the club not just his own future there so it's really encouraging so that sounds good um the news about Brunner Park was quite interesting as well wasn't it they, they published the details of what's going to happen in the East End and it, it, it looks like it's quite well progressed in terms of planning for it you know and ideas of what they've got because mm. To go from that in what a few weeks to basically, they put out plans for eight boxes to be set up in the in the east stand, didn't they? That will mm. be in above the you know the the bits that have been empty for ages. Where the where the current the camera gantry currently is now, I wonder if they'll stick with the camera gantry there or they'll move it back over to the west side. Possibly, it might be yeah, possible. Because the problem with the west side was it needed a lot of work to be done on the um on the gantry to get it up to standards and get it fixed. Mm. So I wonder if them now they've got the money there. Well, we might as well actually do that and move it back over there. Um, but they, also, they're going to be moving the director's box over there now, so that's going to be moved over to the uh, to the east stand in the next season, yeah. by the sounds of things. So they're going to move the press box away from where it is to somewhere else in the east stand. Uh, not sure where, but they'll be moving that. Put the director's box up there and uh, set a little director's room up there. So all change, isn't it? It's, it's all very exciting, and the, the plans do look quite interesting for the. And because the thing is, at the moment, the hospitality side is, is is fully booked, isn't it? Pretty much on the other side. Most games, it, the, yeah. there's no space, and this opens up so many more opportunities. And you know, I'm only speaking as a fan here myself. I'd love occasionally to maybe do that as a little treat and go over there. But I, I'm always like, where are you going? Because there's so many other people already booked in for stuff. It's like I'll I'll just leave it. 
Mm. Whereas this in the future, I might think, well, you know what? I might treat myself. You know, if, if it's a birthday coming up or something, you might want to book it. You know, have, have boxes available for people. You know, that businesses mm. might take them up. So it, it, it's good, isn't it? it, it it's, oh, it's just exciting. It's just exciting. Yeah, definitely. And into the Warwick Road end, um, looks like those disabled facilities are going to be coming finally and also improved facilities in terms of uh, catering and, and toilets and stuff like that. So, oh, it, it's just it's just good. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I know, he he said that they, they want to keep the existing toilets almost as a uh, as a museum to how things used to be, <laughs> which I think is, is quite good. Uh, it's almost like a little reminder. This is how far you've come. Be grateful. I, yeah, I, I totally understand exactly. that. I totally understand that, yeah. Um, other few little bits that uh, were covered in there. Simo did say he would actually quite like to have a B team slash under-21 team, but it was quite clear, wasn't he? He doesn't want to join a league with that. He just wants to be able to do balance games as and when we need to. Yeah, which I think is good because uh, his reasons were, you know, if you've got a time like now when you've got loads of injuries, you don't want to be, you know, running your fringe players ragged and risking yeah. them getting injured as well, basically. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it'd be good because since we ditched the having a proper reserve team in a league, I know the leagues weren't that competitive, but a lot of our kind of under-18 players, it's a hell of a leap from under-18s to first team. So yeah. if there could be something to bridge that gap a little bit, I think that'd be good. Something that gives the likes of Max Kilsby and um, Kai Nugent a chat, bit of time to develop so they're not having to, you know, that one year and the pressure's all on to do it in that one year and show you're capable. Mm. You've got the chance to basically go and say, right, I can actually do this at under-21 level. And then you get your occasional chances in the trophies and things like that, don't you? So mm. that's that's the hope. Um other points, basically, uh, there's only a couple more, really. No plans to reinstate the match day programme. Sounds like the uh, the poster thing they're doing is doing quite well. Uh, and uh, looking to recruit another first-team coach in the near future. I thought that was... They didn't really say that, but similar sort of said, I need another first-team coach, didn't they? And like, oh, okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so, well, we always used to have another one, didn't we? But yeah. I, I've kind of got a little bit mixed up in recent years because strength and conditioning coach is one thing and you've got... Uh, I feel like goalkeeper coaches in recent years have done a little bit more, haven't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think it'd be good, and we've seen so many players who, to be honest, have um, gone downhill since joining yeah. us. So it'd be really good if if we can have players really improving. And I, I do go, wonder if that, going from strength strength to strength. Just throwing an idea out there, I wonder if that's one of those sort of things you look at with Paul Huntington, maybe for next season. Say, how yeah. would he be play player coach? You know. Then there's not as much pressure on him to play. I mean, there's a chance for him to develop as a coach, and I think he could be a, obviously if he wants to be a coach. I don't know, but I think he could really be a fantastic coach. I think he's mm. got all the the abilities to do it, doesn't he? Well, so, I mean, um, Jamie Davitt last year did quite a bit with the ladies team, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's true. You even get yeah. someone like him involved, possibly. Um, just a couple of a little bit of news, just tickets wise. Three thousand five hundred sold for Wigan is the latest update. Fantastic effort that, you know, 500 left and we could potentially get 800 more, but it looks like we're going to get very close to selling out that 4,000 at least anyway, because no tickets on the night, we've been told that, Mike, haven't we? So you've got to buy mm. them in advance, so make sure you get them if you need one. And the extra away tickets are going on sale shortly, so they're ones to keep an eye out for. Um, right, let's get on to it then, Mike. Uh, time to look back on the Northampton game. Carl United 2, Northampton Town 2. Uh, just, just... It was a little bit of a like a just that's just typical, isn't it? You know, a much improved performance, playing so well, and then they go and do that, don't they? And and concede a late goal. Just it's just it's very typical Carl United, isn't it? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, but I mean, something I've, I've long thought is that if we're in a relegation dogfight this season, we're probably not going to stay up safely with seven games to go. It's not the Carlisle United way, is it? So we're going to have to make things a little bit difficult for ourselves somehow. Yeah, it's just it's very typical, isn't it? Yeah, there's never an easy uh, kind of way of doing things. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little about the a bit of the match experience later because it's the first time you've been up since all the improvements have been done. Um, in terms of when the team selection was announced, it was pretty much the team that Adam and I predicted, wasn't it? When you look yeah. back at it, we, we pretty much what we expected. Jack Robinson pushed into midfield as he had done for the second half against Blackpool. Um, Jack Armour back in at left back. Jordan Gibson back into the start eleven, and him and Plange either side of Garner up front. And I, I think, I, 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 when you look at the players that are available, it made sense, didn't it? The only one you'd maybe suggest was Plange for Edmondson, but actually Plange had a fairly good game, as we'll talk about. And I think it was probably Plange's best game for the club, to be honest. Yeah, I think probably up there with the Wigan game when he came on against them, he had a really decent uh, second half in that game. But that's yeah, you're probably right. Probably near enough one of the best games he's had actually, which is which is good to see after what happened last week at Blackpool. Really, um, first half early on, um, I, th- I thought I thought we were fairly comfortable in the game, weren't we? I think for the first half an hour or so, had a couple of little chances. Plange had a couple of uh, opportunities. One particularly put over the bar. Um, didn't feel like we're in trouble, did it? No. And then we conceded, and it's happened so many times this season. You know, where we've conceded in games, we have we weren't bombed under pressure, um, mm. but we just conceded sloppy goal, and yeah, it, then the pressure's on us to get ourselves back in it. So the goal obviously comes from McWilliams, very good play for Northampton down the left, gets down the wing, cuts inside, hits a shot that goes sort of. Not sort of through McGeek's legs, but McGeek was quite close anyway. And then, do you know what? I didn't think there was as much of a flick, but look, Holy should still save it. He should still keep it out. But it does take a flick off John Mellish's foot yeah. right in front of Holy, and Holy has set himself to claim the ball as if it was going straight to him. He then has to react quickly, but he doesn't react very well, does he? That's the problem, really. So mm. I think there's an element of I've a li- I've just, I have got a bit of sympathy for Holy. Having watched it, because I think it's it, the deflection is is not that far away from him at all. But I still think he's he's a good enough keeper to push that behind the post, isn't he? Yeah, I think if Holly was on the bench and it was Anderson that did that, you and me would be both saying that he should be dropped. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I get that. But to be fair. obviously, we don't have any real realistic backup at the minute. No disrespect no. to Gabe Breeze, um, but. Yeah, it's getting to the point now with Holy. You know, he's had a lot of these instances where someone says it's a mistake, someone say it isn't, but they keep on happening. And I think ultimately, if our goals are to be championship or higher, we're, we're probably going to need a, a new keeper. Yeah, at the very least, we're going to need some strong competition for him, I think, aren't we, uh, going forward? Um, well, let's get into the second half and talk about United Well, well I, I was going to say as well, with that goal... Yeah, there was the Mellish deflection, but Emmanuel was massively out of position, uh, yeah. which put McGeek into that kind of right back slot. And McGeek wasn't going to win that battle for pace, was he? You know, that's not yeah. his game. Um, no. So I think there was a few sort of errors in the lead up to it, but ultimately it's the goalkeepers that always gets punished. No, that's absolutely right. Um, 
let's get into the second half then. Let's talk about Jack Armour and his equaliser. I don't think there's any debate. He didn't mean it, did he? No, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. But if you watch it again, if his cross had gone to where I think he wanted it to go, we had a man running in at the far post. It was Edmondson, wasn't it? I think actually coming to get on the end of it. I, I think. think it might have been, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, if you're not in the final third and you're not trying to put balls in the box, you're not going to get luck like that. Yeah. So, you know, you make your own luck. And, and it's not as if we didn't deserve the goal. So, yeah. Whipped a real pace as well, wasn't it? Like he really like put his foot right through it in the first time. And like you said, if, if it was a little bit further or near it, it would have been a difficult one for the keeper, wouldn't it? I think either way. So uh, yeah, yeah, great stuff. And then what, 15 minutes later or so, um, nine minutes to go, looked like a former cobbler had won it for United, didn't it? Um, Jack Robinson's corner from the right, great ball into the six-yard box and bang, Ryan Edmonton's there to power the header past the Newcastle, uh, sorry, Northampton keeper. He's on low from Newcastle, that's why I said that. Northampton goalkeeper. And send the Warwick Road end absolutely balmy, didn't it? Yeah, uh, it was a, a cracking corner. I think Robinson had taken a few very good corners, to be honest. Mm. And and it, they're the kind of corner that you, Edmondson didn't need to get a lot on it. He just kind of needed to knock it towards the goal. But they're the kind of corner that if the defender gets to it first, they're with, with that much pay. The defenders aren't going to get a clean clearance on it. Mm. You know, it, it, it could ultimately go anywhere in the box and... Yeah, I think as long as Robinson's in the team, I, I want him taking corners on that side. Yeah, well, we, we will be getting onto that shortly, actually, because it's, mm. it's definitely one worth uh, discussing the, the set pieces. Um, but it wasn't to be, was it? Um, unfortunately, Northampton just started to get into it in the last few minutes, didn't they? And then, deep into injury time, Bruff gets the ball on the left, whips the ball across, and it goes through everyone, ends up at Bowie, and... I've got to say, it's a really good finish, though. To actually take that on your left foot first time and hit it hard, low, through the legs of Armour and Holy. And it's not like Holy could do much about it. He was hit that well, and it's the equaliser. And it's, it's a frustrating one to concede because Plange probably didn't track his man on, on the left. Mm. But it has to be said, it, it is a good finish, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good finish, and it was a good move as well. To be fair, uh, mm. you know, the finish was quite a bit after Plans lost the ball. They were playing quite a few good one-touch passes, which you know, near the end of the game, deep in injury time, you know, you'd be forgiven for maybe having a pop from outside the box. But they kept on passing it. They played it through and ultimately scored. And I think it's one of them that finish. If that was a bang average League Two player, it'd have missed. You know, and yeah. that's what we're up against in League One. Yeah, he's, he's, he, was, he was one of the better players in League Two last season when he was on loan there, wasn't he, Bowie? Mm-hmm. So not really a huge surprise that he would uh, finish that well. Um, other chances that happened. Um, well, I missed this one because I, I nipped to the loo, but I heard the 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 the, the, um, the howls and protests from the fans while I was in there. Um, penalty shout on Joe Garner. What's your thoughts on it? I've seen it back and it, it's borderline for me, but I'm not sure. I'm not yeah, 100%. I, I mean, I didn't think it was a stonewaller, really. It was one of them refs. It was clear from the start that he wasn't going to be giving Garner everything. And sometimes you're on a bit of an uphill battle with that. Um, Yeah, I think we've had more blatant penalty shouts that have been turned down, put it that way. Yeah, I I think it's one of those ones that maybe is a slight nudge in the back and the lad's taking a risk putting his arms on his back. But 
was there enough for Joe to throw himself down like that? Probably not, if we're being brutally honest. Um, and I've got to mention this one, because someone had some money on Jack Robinson to score outside the box, and he took oh. it outside the box and clipped the bar. Yeah. I've never seen you look so disappointed in, my, in, you know, in a long time. Yeah. Um, I think, well, there was two separate bets, one of them on Robinson to score the last goal, one of them on him to score from outside the box. Only £2.50 on each, but I would have won about 300 quid if it had gone in. So, yeah. 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 But, yeah, so that, that, but it, was, it was one of them, because I was saying before the game, hmm. like, having never really seen him take shots or anything, he just strikes me as a player that has a good left foot on him for things yeah. like that. Um, and he did. And <laughs> he did, yeah. Yeah, it was really, really good to see. Um, let's go through some of the talking points then, Mike. Um no, actually, before we do talk points, we'll have a young Craig Robson sent us in his uh, six-second review for this game, so let's hear what he had to say. How did we lose that? Walking away from a game where we should have probably got all three points, but somehow only managed to get one. I mean, I'm not disappointed, but, you know, them points might have been really crucial at the end of the season, but we'll have to see. Um, overall, it was a good performance for the first 25, 30 minutes, but after we conceded a really poor giveaway, a really poor goal to give away and we conceded again because of a mistake but up until then we completely dominated we just lost our heads a little bit then finally we got a bit of luck um armor hit to, which i think is a very miss hit cross and he somehow scores um and i've not been a great fan of edmonton for a while but it was a nice header to put us ahead um for the equalizer i don't really think it's anyone's fault as Simo was asking us to sit back and defend, which I understand, but it invited a lot of pressure and they came up to us in groups, which I think was something Northampton were very good at. But I can see why we would have preferred to have defenders back rather than like, kept up the intensity. And whether we had, whether we would have conceded, I'm not sure, but uh, it, they didn't really do anything wrong. Northampton just had a really good move. Plans did really well after what he got last week. Um, just a shame he couldn't score. Hopefully he can keep that up, and hopefully we can. On to the next one, up the Blues. It's like listening to Neville and Carragher there, wasn't it, with his uh, tactical analysis of uh, yeah. late in the game? I don't think there's much wrong with what he said, to be fair. All, all, all pretty uh, clear. Just talking generally about the performance there, Mike. Um, it was night and day compared against the Blackpool game, wasn't it, in terms of the quality out there? Yeah, but it had to be, didn't it? Because... Yeah. Yeah, God knows. If we'd have played like Blackpool, it would have been another defeat easily. Um, but yeah, it's it's good to give the home fans a little something, and hopefully, if we get something from Cheltenham, we can go on a little bit of a little bit of a run. Yeah, I think we sort of said this, didn't we? Look, draw against Southampton, win against Cheltenham, you'd be happy with that, wouldn't you? Because yeah. Southampton are one of the form teams in the division. You have got to remember that, you know, they're, they're mm. no mugs. Cheltenham are down there with us, so they're the ones you've got to beat and make sure you don't get beat by as well. So, you know, that's that, that's fair enough. Let's talk about some individual performance then. Luke Plant, we sort of mentioned him already. Uh, again, night and day performance, wasn't it really? You know, against Blackpool, he just he just didn't turn up. He just wasn't really involved. He didn't look like he was up for it. Um, I still think, yeah, the reception he got was quite harsh when he got subbed off. This time, got a really good reception. He, he did some really good stuff down the right. He, he held onto the ball really well. That's what you want to see a bit more of from him, isn't it? Yeah, I think one of his first touches in the first five minutes down that right-hand side, he carried the ball well and had a shot, I think, that went behind for a corner. I can't quite remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like 
it was good that he got that first touch right, and I think everyone got behind him from the off. I think he's had a tendency sometimes to play it very safe. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll receive the ball from a fullback and he'll just play it straight back to the fullback like he doesn't really want it. But yeah. it was good to see him actually running at players a bit um, on Saturday, and and hopefully he keeps at it. And you know, if the, if the fans get back, because th- there's never been any doubt in his ability. Yeah, as, he's got as some a ability. footballer, you can see he's got but it's but it's been the effort that has maybe yeah. rubbed people up the wrong way, myself included. Um, and uh, there wasn't a lot wrong with his his work rate, to be honest. I think his decision making can be infuriating as well, actually, at times, and, yeah. and it still was slight in evidence in this game. There was a couple of times where he's cutting inside and looking to have a shot, and you think just head to the byline and try and get a crossing because actually he put a really good crossing for that one where where Garner was shoved. Yeah, mm. that's what we want to see a little bit more of from you. But generally, decision making was good. I don't think I would have had him mal of the match personally. I, I, I can no. understand why it's being given to him. You know that it makes sense. He, he was up there as one of the contenders, so to have him get it kind of makes sense in that sense. But um, but yeah, someone else who was probably a contender to be mal of the match, Jack Robinson, really impressive play midfield as we mentioned before. And does he look like a potential option there? In not maybe necessarily long term, but an option who can who can slot into there when we need. Possibly, yeah. I mean, in terms of his technically ability, I think he's a very good footballer. Um, mm. There were maybe a couple of times where he, he had a bit of a lack of awareness in there, which is understandable. Kind of thing, yeah, yeah um, which is understandable um, because as a fullback, you've kind of got the whole game in front of you, whereas when you're in the middle, it's going on all around you and it's it's probably the hardest position on the pitch. Um, but I think I think, yeah, he had a very good game and certainly... Simo's got a bit of a headache when it comes to maybe having to drop him at some point because the way he's playing, I, I wouldn't drop him. No, it, 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 it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, Moxon potentially is going to be fit for this weekend's game. So what does he do there? Does he does he drop Jack for him? I think he probably is likely to drop Jack for him, but does he? Or does he maybe look to bring in bring out McGeek or McCalment for Moxon possibly? Well, well as well, I've, yeah. I've, I've noticed that Jack Armour's form has, has gone up a level since Robinson has been mm. sort of in the first team, um, which is good. Um, but yeah, I mean, me personally, yeah, looking ahead to Saturday, um, if Moxon's fit, I'd probably drop McCalment, as yeah. harsh as that is, because he had a yeah. decent game. But yeah, it just gives us a little bit more balance in the middle, I think, if you've got the left footer and the right footer. Yeah, set pieces, really good, weren't they, as you mentioned before. Uh, the corners, yeah. everyone that Robinson put in was whipped in with pace and into good areas. Even Gibson's from the right were pretty good as well, to be fair. And I've never been that convinced by Jordan Gibson's corners, if I'm honest. So that was really good to see. So I think, to be honest, if Moxon's back in and Robinson's, Robinson is in there, just mix it up with the two of them, Kai. You know, just mm. you, you can have a one on either side. So that, that's really good to see. Um, shout out to a couple more players. Ryan Edmondson. Really good to see him actually stepping up, and you can see how much it means to him, don't you? You know when he's on the pitch, and I've heard some talk about maybe in training there's some issues there, and his his attitude's maybe not quite right there. But on the pitch, you can't argue with it, can you? He puts the effort in, he he plays with his heart on his sleeve, and yeah, you know, it was a nice reward to see him get on the end of a set piece, something we've been lacking this season. Yeah, definitely, and. I think Adam touched last week that he's a bit of a passion merchant, you know, he'll, he'll get mm. the crowd going sometimes. And you, we touched last week about how Plange's body language on the pitch hasn't always been the best, but Edmondson for doing things like that. And in terms of body language on the pitch, I thought um, Jordan Gibson 
was very, very good in that he always wanted the ball. He, he was always wanting to make things happen. Um, you know, he, he put in a lot of a lot of yards as well. Um, but that yards isn't the only story. You know, you need to sort of want to do things with it. And um, both him and Edmondson both seem to really want to do things um, with the ball. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that, that's exactly what we uh, we want to see. Um, I've got to give a little shout out to John Mellish as well. To be fair, I know we always give him a shout on this on this show, but I thought he was fantastic again, and I think that shows just how much he stepped up this season. It was a great stat that I think um, not uh, the top twenty uh, copied me in on Twitter, which I'm gonna have to go and find now. Um, in terms of what he's done this season, most maybe. tackles and interceptions, isn't it? I think he's like third. Yes, in the in the football league. Let, let me. I'm just, I'm just loading it up now. It it, it is good. Good uh, radio. This isn't it. Um, I know it's not radio, <laughs> but there you go. And um, yeah, list of the plays to make thirty plus interceptions and win forty plus tackles in League One this season. Noan Kenner, uh, forty and fifty seven from uh, Shrewsbury Town. Ethan Erahano for uh, thirty two and thirty seven, and then John Mellish thirty one and forty six. So he's a little bit behind the others, but I, f- I have a feeling they're both midfielders, possibly. So you know, I know he's played a little bit this season midfield, but he's been a centre back most of it, and mm. he's been fantastic, hasn't he? Really, in the way he's just slotted in into whatever role he's given, and he's one of those ones. Even with the takeover happening, you, you can see him staying long term, can't you? Definitely, he, he he's shown a lot of maturity as well. You know, we, we all love a bit of Kamikaze John running up and down the pitch. Yeah. Uh, but as a centre back in a, in a you know two centre back pairing, and he he's shown loads of that, which is is great to see. Yeah, it's fantastic to see really the way he stepped up in in terms of his performances. Um, that pretty much sums it up for the Northampton game. A quick round down of the League One results from that weekend. Barnsley won, Charlton won, uh, Bolton won, Bristol Rovers too. Bit of a surprise on that one, wasn't it? Really, to see uh, Bristol Rovers get a win there. Uh, good start to life. Uh, Matt Taylor as the manager though, isn't it? At, at, uh, Bristol Rovers. Cambridge 2, Blackpool 1. Obviously, our game against the Cobblers was a draw. Uh, our opponents this weekend, Cheltenham, they lost 2-1 at home against Leighton and That was a hell of a loss for them when I tell you the details of that in a minute. Uh, Derby 1, Wickham 1. A good point for Wickham, that, because Wickham really are in... Quite a downturn of form. Uh, yeah. Fleetwood nil, Peterborough one, Lincoln one, Reading one, Oxford back in form, three nil against Burton, Portville three, Wigan two. Not a great result for Wigan that. Shrewsbury nil, Portsmouth three. They're back on form, and then Stevenage one, Exeter one. Uh, well, that's it then, Mike. We'll take a short break now, and then we'll be back to look ahead to the games against Cheltenham Town and Fleetwood Town. Hi, it's Ryan Edmondson from Carlisle United, and you're listening to the Brunson Bugle. Had to pick Edmo this week, didn't we? Uh, goal scorer at the weekend, so uh, good to have him back on the uh, halftime breaks. Um, yeah, time to look ahead now. As I mentioned before, we haven't got behind enemy lines lined up yet. Potentially could get some tomorrow, not 100% on that, but we'll have to see. Um, let's look ahead to the Cheltenham game first then, Mike. Um, it's massive this one, isn't it? See the, yeah. final, the final team we've got to play this season, isn't it? I think we've played everyone else so far. I've got so. that right. No, we haven't played Barnsley yet. Sorry, I forgot about that Barnsley game. Got uh, moved, of it? So, yeah. Second, second last team we've got left to play this season. Um, Cheltenham Town, right down there with us, near the bottom. Um, in fact, looking at the table right now, they are rock bottom. We're fourth bottom. Um, they could potentially go ahead of us with a 2-0 win in this game. 
So we could potentially drop to the bottom of the league. Mm. So a lot of stake. I know it's early days still, and there's still time to, you know, pull things around, but three points has got to be a, a must in this almost. Yeah, surely. Um, you know, we said all along that we don't want to be cut adrift come January. Um, and, you know, if we win this and get something from people, we, we might not even be in the relegation zone. So that would be absolutely incredible. Yeah, to, to be able to to pull ourselves out going to Christmas out of the, uh, the bottom three. Obviously, we need Exeter to lose their game at the weekend. Um, but I'm not exactly sure who they're playing. Actually, I'll just quickly load that up while we're, we're talking here. Uh, I believe Exeter are playing on Friday. They're playing Cambridge United, so that's a big game for them as well, actually, to be fair. Uh, yeah, Cheltenham Town, well, we, we all predicted they were going to struggle this season, so them being bottom's not that much of a surprise, is it? Mm. Uh, yeah, not really. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's mad. Their thing, well, certainly at the start of the season, was they just couldn't score goals, could they? I think they went on some insane run where they hadn't scored a goal. Eleven league games without yeah. scoring, and they scored in the 12th game against Derby County, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they really, really struggled. And I think the problem there is they lost a real talisman in Alfie May, didn't they? Yeah, um, but I mean, like last January, they signed Aidan Keener from Sligo, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was the League of Ireland top scorer. Uh, and apparently, he only cost about 50 grand. But he he basically kept them up last season. Um, I think he scored about seven goals in 18 games. So, pretty decent return. But then this season, he just hasn't scored a single goal. You know he's going to score against us uh, after saying that. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they were always going to you know, miss Alfie May, but how much they've missed him has been incredible. They're basically relying on Will Goodwin for goals this season, aren't they? I'm mm. just looking at it there. They've, you know, he signed from Stoke City in the summer and, and his goals are the only reason they're not probably totally adrift at the bottom so far. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, looking through their summer signings, Mike. The only one who really stands out for me is like, I think, oh, that's a, oh, maybe two of them actually, to be fair. It would be Curtis Davis, the centre-back. I know he's getting on a bit, but that's a good bit of experience at the back. Mm. And Tom Pett was a late arrival. I think he arrived after the window show that closed, didn't he? Because he was unattached. Um, mm. Decent player for Port Vale down the years. But beyond that... A lot, lot of players on loan, seven players on loan, so they must have a couple that may be injured and can't play. Mm. But really, really struggling to get any quality into the club this summer, weren't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and to be fair to them, I think um, they probably have the lowest budget in the league, I would guess. Wouldn't be far off, I'd imagine. But, you yeah. Know, they're probably a little bit less than us, if we're, if we're being brutally mm. honest. You know, and they brought the money in from May, which obviously they had to reinvest, but... Not in, the, not in the way that the, the fans would probably hope. Um, when you look through the squad, Mike, who stands out for you as a you know, danger man in there? Well, obviously I touched on Keener uh, before, but this season he's been struggling. Obviously you touched on uh, Pet then. Um, Curtis Davis, was he at Preston with Simo? Uh, I don't think so. I'm going to very quickly look up now and see where he was. He was at Hull City many years ago. Uh, okay. I, I have a feeling, was he called up to an England squad or something? I know he played for Sierra Leone. He played for England under 21s, that was it. I don't think he ever got a full call of possibly. I'm just, just looking through his Wikipedia page while, while we're talking here. But, but yeah, he's um, 
Yeah, he, in fact, no, he was named in uh, Fabio Capello's first provisional England squad in January 20, 2008. Oh. He uh, was named in the squad to face Germany in November that year, but did not take the field. So I think he basically had a chance to play for FAI, but uh, but apparently um, she doesn't have any Irish heritage. It, it turned out in the end the, the, the details weren't quite right. But his dad was from Sierra Leone, so he's played for Sierra Leone. That's the one. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, on the whole, generally struggling to find any names that really jump out at me really yeah it, it's there is quite a lack of quality in there and you can you can probably see why they're struggling i know will ferry someone they really rate there as a young midfielder who they're hoping to get a bit of money or for in the in the future but beyond that you look at it and you think to yourself oh, this is a really good opportunity surely to have a go at them and, and get a result yeah definitely um you know i've heard people say oh, it'd be better to have this game after january but I think they're there for, for the taking now, to be honest. I don't yeah. think we need our new signings. I think we should be able to beat them without our, our new signings. Yeah, Daryl Clark, the manager now, he's replaced Wade Elliott, who was sacked in September. Done an okay job to get them a few points on the board at the very least and get them looking fairly solid. I imagine he's going to be looking to bring players in in January, surely, isn't he? Yeah. Um, how much money he'll have to spend, I'm not sure. Um yeah, uh, but it's, it's certainly looking very bleak for them. Yeah, he's he had quite a lot of tragedy in his life, um, Daryl Clark. And I think his mum, mother was killed in a car crash when he was quite young, and his dad was an alcoholic, so he was brought up by his grandparents. But then also, sadly, everyone remember a couple of years ago, his, his daughter um, died, didn't she? So, you know, he's had to he had to go through a hell of a lot in recent seasons and or recent years in life. And yeah, he's one of those managers. Isn't he? He's he's very good at League Two level. Hit and miss at League One level, but it, it, I think as as far as appointments Cheltenham could have made, he's probably about as good as they could have found, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, when he came in, I think it was kind of damage limitation, really. Uh, yeah. I, I think when he came in, it looked like they were going down, and maybe just wanted to go down with a bit of a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that that's that's probably what they were looking at. Um, so yeah, in, in terms of uh, other things through this game, let's look at some of the stats stuff. Head-to-head, um, 31st meeting between the two sides. United have won 10, 9 have been a draw, and the Robins have won 11. So quite balanced in terms of their results. Not so much in recent uh, games. Last four meetings of the two teams, uh, United haven't won a single one of them. They've been one draw and three defeats. But prior to that, we only lost twice in 15 meetings against them. And there was actually mm. four wins in a row before those last four games. So our record in recent years is quite good against Cheltenham if you take those last four games out. So, yeah, these things usually mean nothing, don't they? But it's always interesting to, to hear them. <laughs> um, referee for this one, Declan Bourne from North Ham- not sorry, Nottinghamshire. Uh, it is fourth season as an EFL referee, having started in 2020. Taking charge of 12 games so far this season, handing out 58 yellows and three red cards. Last season, he handed out 103 yellows and nine red cards in 27 games. And the last United game he took charge of was the 0-0 draw at Walsall last season, where former blue Hayden White was sent off for a pretty horrendous tackle, if I remember rightly. Not like he's got a reputation for that, is it really, White? But, um... No, yeah. I think he was quite, from what I recall, he was quite poor that day. Yeah, he, he he wasn't a great referee that day. To be fair, yeah. uh, Armour and Patrick were booked for us, and yeah, it was not not a memorable game of football. Let's just put it that way. Mm. Um, in terms of other stuff, obviously we've mentioned that. In terms of form, 
They are 15th in the last six games form table with a record of one drawn, one lost, drawn, lost. So they haven't won in the last three. Um, Results-wise, if you go back, I mean, they've, they've been beaten 5-1 by uh, AFC Wimbledon in the FA Cup, which is not a great result. But um, last time out against Chelsea, uh, Leighton Orient, oh, this this must have been a real sickener for them, even more of a sickener than ours was, because they were 1-0 up going into the 89th minute, conceded a goal, and then deep into injury time, uh, one of the Orient lads takes a shot from the edge of the box, and he takes a, like, it's one of those ones that takes a huge spinning deflection. And the keeper's gone completely the wrong way and he just has to watch as it bobbles into the far corner. Mm. And you imagine, yeah, and they were down to, to um, 10 men from the 18th minute of this game for two bookings, two early bookings. So to be 1-0 up going that late in, they must have been thinking this is an incredible result and then to go and lose 2-1. You hope that's dented their confidence a little bit more than ours will have, don't you? Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, I mean, we've been in that position quite a few times in recent years. Um and it it is soul destroying, um, and I'd imagine a lot of the Cheltenham fans wouldn't fancy the long trip up to Carlisle after something like that. Oh, just before Christmas as well. That that's probably mm. the worst. I mean, I with the greatest respect to Cheltenham, I can't imagine they're going to bring much more than one hundred and fifty two hundred for this one. Potentially, I'd, I'd be impressed if they brought that many. To be honest, it, it's I, and I don't really blame them because it's an absolutely horrible journey for doing like two days before Christmas. Really, it's. It's insane, really, that they they put a fixture like that. Then, but but there you go. Well, you consider our away games have all been the local ones we really want to do in the you know in the summer months or the better months, and then they go and give Cheltenham Carlisle away that close to Christmas is just ridiculous, isn't it? I feel like Cheltenham are one of them teams though, that while they're down south, if they were in the league below the National League, they'd wind up in National League North. Yeah, they probably well, they probably would with the ridiculous way it's set up now, aren't they? I think yeah. well, Gloucester, Gloucester in there, aren't they? So that would make Gloucester's pretty yeah, much exactly across the motorway, isn't it? From it, so uh, yeah, yeah. Um, right, let's look ahead to this game in terms of United because we'll we'll do this now because obviously in terms of Fleetwood, the Cheltenham game have been out of the way by then, so we can't really talk about United for that. So um, yeah, injury wise, it's looking a lot better, isn't it? Really, by the looks of things, we're going to have Charters, ba- sorry, Charters, Ellis, and Huntington available for this match, Mike. And it's just going to be nice that, in a weird way, to be able to leave players out of the, of the squad for the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, the youth lad that we've had on the bench the past few games. Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Um, you'd imagine he'd sit out, but it's hard to think who else would sit out. That's... Well, you're looking at it. I think in terms of the starting eleven and formation, I think... I'd be amazed if he didn't more or less stick with the same with the possibility of maybe Moxon coming in for someone, yeah. maybe for McCalvin. Um At a push, maybe you'd put Edmondson in for Garner because Garner wasn't quite as effective against Fleetwood, but I reckon he'll sorry against um, Northampton. But mm. I think he'll st- I think he'll stick with Garner for this one probably. Yeah, I think Garner's got enough credit in the bank to you know not let one. Yeah. Poor performance taken so, out the team. So let, let's say we think maybe Moxon in for McCalment, possibly, for this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, McCalment drops to the bench and takes that place that Fitzpatrick had there. And then you've probably got quite a few defenders on that bench anyway. So it's whether you, I don't think Ellis will come to the bench. I think he'll probably still sit out. Mm. Charters, though, I wonder if he might come in for someone. Maybe even in for... Possibly in for um, Butterworth, maybe. Maybe. 
Because he's right down the pecking order, isn't he, really? He's not really getting any Yeah, chances. and Charters uh, last season played a few games as like a left forward in a three-man attack, didn't he? When yeah, we yeah, he played did, that sort of 3-4-3. Three, three. So if we're maybe playing a 4-3-3, three, three, he could maybe play that role as well. Yeah, I think Robinson could potentially play that role as well, you know, because he's yeah. done it in one game, didn't he, I think? So mm. there's a possible option there. Um, so that's what we'd probably go with. Um, should we do predictions? Obviously, in terms yeah, of the prediction league, none of us got any points. I thought one of us picked Edmonton to score, but we didn't, apparently. So We all, all three of us, you, me and Dan, though, we all picked 2-1. So we all had it snatched from our jaws uh, at the last moment. Absolutely sickening. Um I actually did predict Robinson to score, didn't I? So I, I should have got on board with you, your um, your bet, shouldn't I, really? But, um, yeah. What are you going to go for for this one, then, Mike? Uh, I'm going to go for a 2 nil win. I'm going to say we're going to get a clean sheet, and I'm going to mm. say Jack Robinson and Ryan Edmondson will score. I am going to go with... Uh, free nil win. I'm gonna like sod it. Let's have a a, a pre Christmas treat. Free nil win with goals from Owen Moxon back in the team, Jordan Gibson, and Ryan Edmondson to get another. Why not off the bench? He'll get another goal. Um, right. So let's have Dan's predictions for this one. Well, Saturday we uh, we deserved the three points from me. A little bit of a cruel kick at the end, but uh, the upturning attitude boards well. Obviously, Armstrong, first player in, obviously he's not available, but upward curve and all that. I'm going to go for a 3-0 win. Uh, Edmondson to score again. I think he might get one or two on a little roll now. Uh, Gibson and John Mellish. One away from predicting exactly the same <laughs> as me there, wasn't he? When he, said, when he started saying that, I was like, oh, don't say Moxon as well. So, so there you go. So me and Dan are very much a, like a hive mind at times, aren't we, with these sort of things? <laughs> so, so there you go. Right, we'll take a little short break and then we'll be back to look ahead to the Fleetwood game. Hi, it's uh, Tom Piatic the second, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. Yeah, there's a bit of a Tom to get us into the third part of this uh, week's show. Um, Fleetwood Town, Mike. Little Boxing Day trip to the Lancashire coast. Um, hopefully a bit better than the last time we visited that part of the world. Yeah. Um, when even was the last time we visited that part of the world? Last week. <laughs> Blackpool. <laughs> we took ah, the, the I'm with you now. I, 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 I thought you went Fleetwood itself. I was like, what? No, Because like, no, we've no, never no. played them in the league. But yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, But if, if you think Blackpool... Is a dump. Just wait till you visit Fleetwood. <laughs> Come on, we're not Fleetwood fans. This this, Mike. Let's be fair here. To be fair, I've, I've, I've been a couple of times. It, 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 it's a suburb of Blackpool, isn't it? At the end of the day, so I'm sure they'll hate us saying that, but it practically is, isn't it? It's it, it's it's on the tram route, so that's the way it should be looked at. Um, yeah, Fleetwood Town. What are we expecting from this? Because I mean, going back to the opening day of the season, we all came out of that game saying, "Wow." This is a real step up in quality from last season. Fleetwood look a decent mid-table side, don't they? Mm. We couldn't have been more wrong. Yeah, it's been weird, hasn't it? They've had a, a lot of nonsense going on off the pitch, um, yeah. and I, th- I think that's filtered through to the pitch really. Because I mean, you look through the the team, and and there's quality in there. Well, I mean, but... look at the attack, Mike. You'd have a two or three of those players in there, wouldn't you? Probably. Uh, well, we would have yeah. done at the start of the season. I mean, Jack Marriott's an obvious one. He scores yeah. goals funds. Jaden Stockley's always been a really good player at this level. And even Kabongo Schminger, 
you know, on loan from Peter United, he was a, a proper hot shot at non-league level, wasn't he? At Chesterfield and uh, oh, yeah. Wood. But yeah. yeah. So yeah, exactly, and and even you, you know you look at the midfield, um, Danny Mayer, uh, mm. you know he's a good player, um, and then def- defense. Uh, we like the look of Josh Earl, didn't we? When yeah, we, when we were that opening game of the season, we were really impressed with him on the the left side of their defense, and even Sean Rooney's a player. Do you know what? If we actually are looking to sign players from this level. And if they're willing to sell, I'd, I'd go in for Sean Rooney. I think he's a really good player. He plays right sort of mm. right back, right wing back, doesn't he? But he can play mm. further forward. And yeah, I think he'd be a really good addition as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of quality in that squad. And, and, and I think we were, we were talking to a friend before the game last week, weren't we? We said Brendan Wudu as well in midfield. He mm. scored the goal against us. And he's always looked a really good player. Yeah. And somehow it just isn't working for them this season. And I think you're right. I think that off the field stuff is filtering down a bit. And... An example of that is Jack Marriott was supposed to be, well, potentially leaving to Oxford, wasn't he? I think in mm. in August, they, they had a couple of bids knocked back for him. And he scored a few goals, but do you wonder maybe if he's a little bit unsettled by the fact that they, they didn't sell him in the end? Yeah, probably. Uh, I think as well, he's a, he's a southern lad, isn't he, Marriott? Yeah, yeah, he's from Luton. Well, no, Ipswich, sorry. We had him on loan from Ipswich when he... Yeah, yeah. First, wasn't um, so I think sometimes, you know, if there's a move that's closer to home, more money you know, better team, it ticks all the right boxes and it gets taken away from you. Like with Armstrong, um, it's disappointing. Um, but he, he still scored a few this season, I think, hasn't he? Yeah, he's chipped him with a few. I'm just trying to, to load it up now. But yeah, I think he's, he's, he's scored, let me have a little look. I think three or four maybe this season. Five goals in 18 games. So yeah, it's pretty good going, you know, for a team that's struggling. He basically is <laughs> their mm. goal because Stockley, I think he's got one goal in about 18 games a season. He's really struggling for goals now. Mm. Um, that early poor season starts, um, they obviously, I think they didn't win one of their opening six, I think. And then they got rid of Scott Brown, who'd done okay in his first season and brought in Lee Johnson, someone who has managed a lot of clubs at this level, hasn't he? Mm. Yeah. Um, really has become a bit of a journeyman uh, manager. Obviously, Gary Johnson's son, isn't he? He is, yeah. How old is he, do you reckon? Uh, I would say 42. You're bang on, he's 42 years old. <laughs> is which, is, which is mad, like, cause he's been managing for about 12, 13 years, hasn't he? I he know started he started out, young now, yeah. Was it Oldham his first job, I think, he, he managed that. I think he, he started quite young there. and I think so, yeah. Yeah, he, he's he's someone who's certainly... He's had a bit of success in his time as manager, though, hasn't he? I think it's fair to say, you know? I'm just looking yeah. in terms of uh, his, his playing days, he... Yeah, he managed all of them in 2013, sorry. So it's 10 years he's been managing, basically. He did a couple of years there. Then he had his time at Barnsley. Bristol City, obviously, where his dad had been. in. he had a d- decent enough record at Bristol City. Suddenly, his record was very good, but he just couldn't quite get them promoted, could he? So, mm. um, so yeah, it's it's um, an interesting appointment. for. I think it's an interesting one for him as well. I, I, I'm surprised he took that. I know, look... The problem with the manager, if you're out of a job for a long time, people forget about you very quickly, don't they? Mm. I do wonder if he could have been a bit more patient with his choice of job, though, because I don't feel like Fleetwood is... With what's going on off the pitch, it's not the greatest club to go to at the moment, is it? No, it's not. And sometimes with a manager like him, if he winds up getting a relegation on his CV, it can knock his career back a a few years. Um, But yeah, I think... it's not, it's not going to be an easy game. Far from it. 
You know, no. we, we said we said they have quality players. Um, certainly, you know, compared to Cheltenham, looking through that squad list, it's a yeah, it's absolutely different. Isn't it? When you look at Fleetwood's squad, looks so much better than and Cheltenham's. I know there's only one point between them, you know, which is, is mad, really. But I do look at it and think to myself, this is going to be a bit more of a challenge than we than we probably face in the game just before Christmas. Um, anyone else stand out in their squad in terms of uh, good players? Um, I mean, you, you look through it, and there's there's a lot of quality throughout. Really, um, certainly when compared to looking at Cheltenham's, it's uh, it's chalk and cheese. Uh, yeah, it's Thingy uh, Junior Quitimer, I think his name is. Yeah, he, I think he's their top scorer this season, isn't he? He scored a few goals, and he looked quite. Haven't did he play in that opening game? Or am I thinking of Pro, uh, Phoenix Patterson or someone else? Maybe. Um, there's some someone with an unusual name playing that first game. He was quite impressive. I seem to remember, but yeah, but I reckon because he was at um, yeah, he was at Waterford. Um, I knew I recognised yeah. his name from somewhere. Um, fifteen goals in forty three games from midfield over there. So yeah. that's pretty damn impressive. He got maybe um, five or six this season as well. I think possibly. Yeah, um, yeah, five goals in eighteen this season. So yeah, yeah I think he, he's definitely one to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, overall form wise, um, they're currently twentieth in the last six games form table. We have a record of drawn one, and then four losses in a row. Um, but it's when you look at the results, those four losses in a row, Mike, they've not scored a single goal in those games either. Mm. So they're really struggling up front for goals now. And you, you do wonder if Marriott's maybe got his eye already on January and think to myself. I'm going to get a move anyway, so I don't know why. I, you know, there's no point in me putting the extra effort in almost. Yeah, definitely. Free. Yeah, uh, obviously, if if Marriott was to go, you really wonder where the goals would be coming from uh, forwards-wise because the others just haven't really been doing it for them. I mean, they signed Kabongo Chiminga. From uh, Peter United, he was the he was the big hot talent in the National League, wasn't he? At Boreham Wood yeah, and Chesterfield. Ch- Chesterfield, yeah, yeah. Big things were expected of him. Um, very typical Peter United signing, wasn't he? You know, non-league yeah, starlet. Didn't really find his feet at Peterborough so much. I'm looking at his record at Fleetwood. He's only got one goal and zero appearances. Is he injured? I'm presuming he's injured. <laughs> I'm talking one about one goal him, and know. zero appearances. That's so, quite so, impressive. Got to get that. Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, zero goals in one appearance. Yeah. Um, he, he must have an injury, surely. I'm, I'm guessing because he didn't yeah, look like he's so. featured at all. And that's a really disappointing signing for them as well. You know, I imagine they've probably outlaid a bit of money on bringing him in. In fact, sorry, that that's a lie. One start, eleven sub appearances, zero goals. So, mm. yeah, it's it's not great for him, really. Um, he scored a couple of goals for them in the trophy against Wigan, but that's it. No, no other goals in in league games, and he's just getting. I think by looks of things, like appearances off the bench every now and then now at the moment for them. So, yeah, struggling to make the impact. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, few stats from this one obviously uh head to head it's only the eighth meeting between the two sides but the first time we'll have met in a league fixture at Highbury Stadium um two wins for United two draws and three wins for the Cod Army so a win here would uh, balance it out quite nicely um head to head 
sorry, uh, sorry, referee for this one, Adam Herzig from County Durham. It's his second season as an EFL referee. He's taken charge of 17 games so far this season, hanging out 53 yellows and one red card. Last season, he handed out 83 yellows and two red cards in 26 games. The last United game he took charge of was the 2-0 defeat to Exeter City this season. Now, why does that one stick in the mind, Michael? Uh, he should have he should have sent off Dimitri Mitchell for two blatant ah uh, of course yeah in quick succession and he didn't and Mitchell then went on yeah. obviously to go and score the second goal in that game so one to keep an eye out for that one maybe he can uh, return as a favour and uh, actually give yeah. someone a booking who didn't deserve it in this game maybe if we're lucky um, anything else to cover on this one I think that's pretty much it isn't it really in terms of all that Sort of yeah. stuff. Last last time out, they lost one nil to Peterborough United. Um, should say that Derek Asamoah's son Malice Asamoah came off the bench in that one. Um, obviously, uh, Shaminga couldn't um, uh, play in that one because he's on loan from Peterborough United. But yeah, one nil win for Peterborough. Um, it's not looking great for Fleetwood at the moment. Um, predictions for this one then. What are we going for? I'm going for a two one win. I think mm-hmm. Joe Garner will get a goal against his former club. And I'll say Owen Moxon as well. I'm going to go 2-0. I'm also going to predict Garner to score for that reason. It's his former club. There's a temptation to go Edmonton three games in a row. Just, you know, him proving a point with the new players coming in. But now I'm going to go for Big John. And I think Big John will be on the wind-up for that game for some reason as well. I don't know why, but I think <laughs> he will. So, yeah, let's go for Garner and Big John in a 2-0 win. Here's Dan's predictions for this game. Again, another battle at the bottom, but uh, one we're more than capable of winning. Uh, Fleetwood, they're not much of a team. Uh, I think it's there for the taking if we go positive attitude, hopefully following a win against Cheltenham. So I'll go for a 2-1 win, and I'm going to go for Joe Garner. And, hmm, let's have another Jack Armour goal. He seems to like picking similar results than scorers to us, doesn't he? I don't know what it is. Dan's almost telepathic. Yeah. He can work out. It's just <laughs> weird. It's very weird indeed. Right. Uh, let's do the X-Files section to round things up then, Mike. Um, a few bits to cover this weekend, though. Quite a bit in there. Got to give some credit to John Coleman from the News and Staff for some of these because I did spot them in his article he does about uh, X-Files. So this is just giving a little roundup of those. Um, let's start with the uh, trophy winner, James Tavernier. He scored the only goal of the game as Rangers beat Aberdeen 1-0 in the Scottish League Cup final. And that wasn't a penalty. I know, amazing, wasn't it? And I, <laughs> I love the fact that the Scottish League Cup final takes place before Christmas. Get out of the way, get yeah. it sorted, get a trophy done. Bang, lovely stuff. Uh, Charlie Wykey scored a consolation goal for Wigan Athletic in their 3-2 defeat at Port Vale. Could that be his last goal for them before he comes to Brunton Park? The rumours are gathering, aren't they? There's rumours that he's yeah. a journey target. Never know. Apparently, apparently not. Yeah, it, it, it seems unlikely, but it has been rumoured. Uh, Paddy Madden scored a hat trick. He netted three times for Stockport County, including a penalty in their emphatic 8 0 win over Sutton United, a result that cost the Sutton United manager his job. I wonder how that move's going to Mari, eh? Bloody hell. 8 0 defeat. Yeah. There was a brilliant um, tweet from our friends at uh, the Gandabonium blog, uh, the Sutton United blog, who uh, basically. Pointed out the fact that um, 
they had their uh, the players had their Christmas night out in Manchester after the game and basically saying, I, I hope they have a really shit night out. And then <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that they, they, one of the replies was that I hope the snooker tables, bro- or the pool tables, broken in the training ground. Yeah, um, not happy to say the least. Andy Cook, he scored uh, the second goal in Bradford City's 2 0 win at Gillingham. Not looking a great investment for that, them, is it? A three year deal to what, 31 year old Andy Cook? He's <laughs> not 32 year old Andy Cook. He's got yeah. like four or five goals this season. He's not really found the same form, has he? James Chester, he scored for Barrow in their 3 0 win at Swindon Town. Good result for Barrow, that to be fair. You know, they're flying second place in, in the. Uh, in the League Two table, um, playing Wrexham, I think, over Christmas as well. I think they've still got tickets available for that game at Wrexham. If I was a Barrow fan, I'd be desperately wanting to go that one. Mm. Massive game. Um, Mark Beck scored for Solihull Moors in their 3-2 home defeat to Oldham Athletic. George Waring scored for Curzon Ashton in their 2-0 home win over Brackley Town. David Simonton always seems to score for Workington, doesn't he? He scored in their 2-2 draw with Ashton United. They drew 0-0 with Macclesfield the other night, Workington. Six draws in a row they've had now in the league. Mm. It's a good unbeaten record, but you can be looking thinking oh, maybe a, a couple of wins there would be nice. But uh, but there you go, Nick Ballardo. I think he scored his first goal for Morpeth Town in their two-two draw with Basford United. Charlie Barnes, his first goal for Lancaster City as well in their four-two win at Stafford Rangers. Connor Thompson, we're dropping down the North East leagues here now. He scored for Ashington in their four-two home defeat to Newton Aycliffe. Here's a belter. We mentioned his son just before, Mike. Derek Asamoa. He scored twice for Brightlingsea Regents. In their four-one win over Bowers and Pitsy, that, that's proper southeast London sort of non-league names, there, aren't they? Yeah, he's got to be about forty-five now. Somewhere. Forty-two, forty-three, I think he is. Like that. Oh, okay, yes, he's not as old as you think, but he, yeah, st- still to be scored at that age, though, at that level, still is quite impressive, isn't it? Really, so there you go. Yeah, he's probably uh, still faster than me. Yeah, and finally, Gavin Riley scored for Queen of South in their 3-1 win over Edinburgh FC. I've left the midweek stuff in from last week. That's not relevant, Mike, so don't worry, I'm not missing it on purpose. <laughs> uh, and finally, just a couple more bits. Steven Schumacher, he has left his role as Plymouth Argyle manager to take on the same role at Stoke City. I'm not sure how much of a step up this is, you know, because a lot of managers are really struggling to get Stoke out of the championship and turn that club around. And Plymouth seems to be a club really on the up. I know they're not flying high in the championship this season, but... I just feel like he, I'm not convinced that's a great move for him. What do you think? I, th- I think Stoke will have a lot better resources. Um, yeah, and I suppose it's uh, near to home, isn't he? Because he's from Yeah, the I was going to say, yeah. much nearer to home. So, yeah, I, c- I can see why he did it. The Plymouth fans aren't happy with him. Um, but, yeah. obviously, fans never are when a manager leaves a successful team, are they? So Yeah, and I suppose Ryan Lowe backed up his decision, didn't he? And Preston are flying high. In the championship, well, so it just happens, and I'm, I'm sure they'll attract some. Leighton Baines was the name I saw link, link with the job. It's an interesting mm. one, isn't it? Out of nowhere. Um, and finally, this is one you pointed out to me, Mike, that I'd left out the running order. Luke Joyce has announced he's going to retire from football at the start of January uh, after what, 700, 800 odd games as a, as, a, as a player. Fantastic career. Really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, he's playing his final game for Radcliffe, funnily enough, against his former teammate, Danny Granger. He's going to mm. be playing against Workington, isn't he, for them? Uh, yeah, over Christmas, so all the best to, to Luke. I mean, got some brilliant memories. I mean, that goal he scored against Crawley stands out, doesn't it? Really, as the goal of the season he scored, and yeah, yeah, great. And great he's season. got a, a role lined up at Brentford, apparently. He is, yeah, going to work. Uh, Lee Dykes, what's is there, Lee Dykes, yeah. Lee Dykes, and and Stephen Presley's there still, isn't he? I think he's got some sort mm. of role there too. So. Really, really good stuff. Uh, all the best, Luke, to the rest of your career. We'll have to try and get him on the pod at some point and talk about his career, won't we, really? Because he's a, you're mm. going to have some tales to tell, I'm sure. 
Um, well, that's it then, Mike. That's his episode wrapped up. Is it, I, I tell you what, guys, we're letting you in behind the curtain a little bit here, but this has been a nightmare to record this one because we've had some real connection problems. I think we're, yeah. we're looking at potentially changing our uh, studio provider in the new year to something that might work a little bit better. But we've, we've soldiered on to make sure you've got something to listen to before Christmas. And like I said, I'll let you know if we're going to get to behind enemy lines, but it's looking unlikely at the moment. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. I think that's pretty much it. We're over Christmas, we'll we'll do a review of the uh, the two games, and we'll do a preview of the uh, game against Wigan and the New Year's Eve uh, New Year's Day sorry game against Port Vale. We'll do them together as well, so we'll get that sorted next week. But uh, all that's really left to say, Mike, is uh, thanks everyone for listening and up the blues, up the blues. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your Kyanite fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Mike Booth. Christmas comes early for United fans as the Piatics deliver a present for Simo, a club record signing. We look, we discussed it, oh, no, 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 no. That did not go well, did it? That, that, that was far more complicated than I intended. There's the outro sorted anyway. <laughs> right, let's have another go, shall we?